Uh, welcome to Deep Spirituality. We've got a lot coming for you. It's coming for you. It's going to be cool. We've got some narrative podcasts that are going to be coming. Uh, we've got uh, some conversational podcasts that are going to be coming. My name is Russ Yule, and I'm with Mike uh, Query, and we both work at Deep Spirituality, trying to build really uh, a, 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 a host of content. I kind of hesitated because I was like, what are we building? We're building a, a, a platform of content that is really meant to make God accessible to everyone. And we don't care where you go to church or if you go to church, we just want to be able to make God accessible, to make uh, your life as inspired and, and full of faith and full of hope, uh, as confident of God's forgiveness as possible. And hopefully wherever you are, You'll create a community of people that you can be with. Hopefully there's a church you can find or you can start your own house church. And that's why we build all it and put it all together. And so the narrative podcast, I think you're going to enjoy them. We've been working on them. Uh, Mike and his wife, Amy, who work here, they've been doing a lot of the, the frontline work on it. I think you're going to just you're just going to love them. I already love them and I haven't even heard the whole thing. And then also. Oh, like I said, we'll have the conversational podcast. We're going to have some new articles coming out for you. Uh, we took the summer really to evaluate everything we've been doing on all of our on all of our uh, parts of our platform to be able to give you the best possible content we can. Whether you're driving in your car, you're putting away laundry, uh, you're sitting outside drinking a cup of coffee, whatever you might do, we want to be able to be in your ear. We want to be able to put things in front of your eyes that allow you to believe that no matter how dark the night gets, the light of God can shine in there and give you a lot of encouragement. Today, I want to talk about the real ones. And you can subtitle that, Why Don't People Go to Church? Uh, I think that'll be a really cool one. I got Mike in here to help me with this. We have a load of content. We'll never get through it all, but we can get you started. And the real ones comes from a podcast on The Ringer. Bill Simmons is one of my favorites, and he's built The Ringer. He's one of our role models. And there's a uh, podcast on there called The Real Ones, and it's Logan Murdoch and Raja Bell. And I listened to that during NBA season and they just really got me into this concept. The real ones, I'm sure many of you have heard it. It is a, uh, if you would, a urban or slang concept and it has a, a different uh, meanings for a lot of people. But to me, it's about being real. It's about not having, a, a, not being a pretender, not being fake, being authentic would be the word that we use a lot in Silicon Valley and in the corporate world, being an authentic person. And I believe this, when you look at the Bible, People are going to be inspired about God when Christians are the real ones, the real ones. And we got to ask ourselves, am I a real one? And we got to even be able to distinguish. Yeah, you, you go to church, but are you a real one? And I like that phrase. Maybe you don't like that phrase. That's OK. If you don't like that phrase, turn it up and listen, listen even louder. That's what Bruce Springsteen would say. Turn it up and shake it up. I think you'll be open to this. Matthew 514 and verse 16 says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on the stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. When I uh, moved into my house uh, some years ago, uh, there were no lights in the backyard. So it was all dark. And uh, Gail and I, my wife, heard a sound out there. And uh, uh, we just moved in. We didn't have all our stuff together. 
And I didn't have a flashlight nearby. I started scrambling for one. She said, we got to go look. I was like, wait a minute, we can't go out there. I don't know what's out there. You know, I kept thinking maybe there's a burglar out there. And, I didn't want, and my wife was more courageous than me. I know, shame on me. And she just said, I'm going out there. I got to look, see what's going on. And so I scrambled, grabbed a flashlight and ran out there. And when it's dark, pitch dark, it's scary because you don't know what could be out there. I f- clicked that flashlight on and suddenly I felt safer. I think what God is trying to let us know is the church has to be the flashlight in the darkness of the world that makes everyone feel safer, whether they go to church or not, just having that influence. But we can't be that flashlight. We can't be that light unless we're the real ones. In 1 Thessalonians 2, it says in verse 3, this is Paul writing, for the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who test our hearts. You know, we never used flattery, nor do we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We are not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. What do we want to get out of that passage? There's a lot there. I think this key verse, verse five, you know, we never use flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. If we're going to be real ones, and if we're going to make God's church attractive, we can't have masks going. And one of my beliefs is early on when I was a Christian, well, I shouldn't say early on, to the present day, I'm always tempted to put on a mask, to appear that I'm not doing anything wrong, to appear that I'm not a bad person, I'm not a sinful person, I'm not an unspiritual person. And yet I think what God wants us to do is be a real person. And the worst culture that can exist in our families, in our house churches, in our Bible study groups, in our prayer groups, in our communities, is when we feel the collective peer pressure to put a mask on, to appear to be something we're not. And what I would put before all of us is this. If you're listening and maybe you're thinking about going to church, maybe you're giving church a second look. You had a bad experience. You have a bad view of it. You don't see churches as being helpful. I just want to appeal to you that a lot of us are working really hard to keep the mask off and to be real ones. Yes, as a Christian, I do things that are wrong. I lack integrity. I am not loving. I'm not caring. Current, present tense. I get angry, irritable. I get selfishly ambitious and self-focused and conceited and prideful and arrogant. Some people go, I don't want to talk about myself like that. I believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross so that while I may do those things, they don't define me. I think the problem is when we let sin define us and we say, I am a prideful person and we believe that's who we are instead of that's the obstacle we have to overcome. Taking off the mask says, I'm going to be exactly who I am. And that's a good thing before God first and then with people. And when we have cultures like that, I think those kind of cultures make people attracted to church because I think in the soul and heart of every human being, they want to be a real one. Who doesn't just want to be real? If someone wants to wear their hair green, 
They want to be real. If somebody wants to wear some kind of unusual clothing look, they want to be real. They're expressing themselves. And part of what we can have happen in society is we can put a lot of pressure on people to not be themselves. I think God actually wants to pull out our authentic and genuine self. And that's when we'll be at peace. Barner Group does a lot of polling. And I'm going to get Mike to give me his thoughts right after I read this. Barner Group does a lot of polling. And they do a lot of polling in the Christian sector, not polling Christians, but polling people that are not Christians about what they think about Christians. And they had one in about 2007. And I'll make sure that our producers have the links to these articles if you care to go read them. And I'm going to read you this excerpt. It's going to be a little lengthy, but just hang in there, okay? While Christianity has typically generated an uneven reputation, the research shows that many of the most common critiques are becoming more concentrated. So it's saying that there are a lot of different views of Christianity and some of many of them can be negative, but people are beginning to get very concentrated, very focused and say, I know exactly what I don't like about Christians in church. The study explored 20 specific images related to Christianity, including 10 favorable and 10 unfavorable perceptions. And there are a lot of favorable perceptions that were in there. And I'm going to pick the ones that I want to focus on for us to really uh, 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 understand what we have to do to add to the favorables, to make church more attractive and make God more attractive, really. Common negative perceptions include that present day Christianity, common negative perceptions include that present day Christianity is judgmental. 87% of the people said it's judgmental. Hypocritical. 85% said it's hypocritical. Probably a little connection there since there's only a 2% difference. Judgmental, 87%. Hypocritical, 85%. 78% said it's old-fashioned. 75% said it's too involved in politics. And guess what? This represents large proportions of young outsiders who attach these negative labels to Christians. They went to people that are in the millennial generation and generation C, and they said, let's find out what younger folks think about church and why they're not going. Now, I'm going to add this before I get Mike in there to talk about that, though some of the correcting some of those negative perceptions. The most common favorable perceptions were that Christians, Christianity teaches the same basic ideas as other religions, 82%. Has good values and principles, 76%. Friendly, 71%. And is a faith they respect, 55%. And so all of the favorables, they struggle to keep up with the negatives. So the negatives, they cover up all the positives. So what do you got to do? You got to get rid of them. And I think a key one is that hypocritical, judgmental one and how we attack that. Mike, what's been your experience and your perspective as someone in the millennial generation on the need for the church to be able to say, yeah, we got to be real because that's one of the most attractive things to make people come because really judgmentalism, hypocrisy, old fashioned, too involved in politics, that's being involved in a lot of things that don't necessarily reveal our true heart, our true emotions, who we really are as people. Give me some of your thoughts. 
Yeah, sure. So I'm on the upper end of the millennial spectrum. I think I still just barely qualify upper thirties right now, but, uh, so, um, but from, there's a couple, I guess, perspectives I have on this one is, you know, personally being someone who's been in church for a long time. Uh, I, I noticed myself that the longer, especially now, you know, I'm, I'm married, I have a kid now and she's a blast, but you know, it's a lot of my, my mind space and attention goes to sort of managing the home and just trying to stay afloat and stuff right right uh so the the temptation is, is just to, to burrow in right this <laughs> kind of and and with my my what that where that goes in terms of my spiritual life is um i just get comfortable right i'm comfortable talking to the same people you know not extending beyond what i feel like i want to do for my you know if i'm feeling tired or whatever so nowadays right. you know most of my conversations end up being with people i've seen at church for years. And a lot of them are in the same position as me. They're, you know, uh, later millennials. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe we were all pretty active when we were younger and now we're slowing down. <laughs> we're, right. not, we're not old yet. So we can still feel like we can look at the generation uh, beyond us and, and sort of feel like we're still kind of trendy or something, but, right. but generally like we're, we're slowing down and a lot of our esteem and sort of value can be uh, sort of how we look amongst each other, to be honest, like, and, and when it comes to spiritual stuff, it's uh, who, you know, did the most, uh, you know, s- s- cool spiritual things, you know, right. <laughs> like who, yep. who, who came to church the most, who volunteered in the most activities, who served in the best way. And right. it becomes this, like, for me, I'm like this very internal thing. When I look back at my week, I go, you know, I think, especially in the pandemic has exacerbated this. I'm like a majority, like maybe I can go a given week where 90% of my conversations are just with people at church and we're all just perpetuating the same values with each right. other, you know? Right. And so what happens is, is, you know, you know, more recently I've the, the our sort of who I meet with on some Sunday service for our churches has changed. I'm seeing a lot more younger people mm-hmm. on a, on a Sunday service and I'm realizing like, Oh wow. They are like way in a different spot than me, not just because of age, but what yes. they're looking for, right? They yes. want connection. You know, they're, they're cheering when the, the, the minister says something about, uh, you know, something real about like, Hey, if we, we got to get real about this sin in our life, you know, and then someone will cheer and, and I'm kind of going like, Whoa, that, that makes me feel uncomfortable. Right. <laughs> and I'm, right. I'm realizing like, okay. So when you mentioned the mask, you know, and that's, you know, I've grown, I grew up around church. So I've, there's a level of, uh, sort of learned behavior for myself where I can, I can live a certain way for a long time and, and, and live a different way at church, right. All the way in college where, you know, I'm at the the college uh, devotional on Friday night, back in time in the dorms for the party, right. you know, by 11 o'clock. Right? right. So I'm, that's just in my DNA yeah. uh, to sort of have that mask. But now that I'm getting older, I'm realizing, you know, I'm going to get to the point of no return here. If I don't adjust pretty soon where it gets even more, I get more and more tired and I can't have my, 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 what makes me uh, feel valued be how much uh, good church stuff that I do. And right. the other thing I was just going to say is, you know, uh, a lot of my job involves working in, in, uh, you know, media and, and uh, online web stuff. And, and when I look at just data, like what people are searching for online, yes. uh, what ends up getting most engagement uh, on social media, that tends to be people when it comes to spiritual stuff, like they're searching for, you know, Hey, how do I get help at this area in my life? That's interesting. Or someone sharing a passage and then saying something effective, like, Hey, this is what, you know, this is what's really going on with me. You know, like, so I'm like, okay, there's actually is a yearning for something real 
And what, when they come to see me at church, do they see that or they see like, you know, just uh, the, the sort of facade. So, so I think that's interesting and encouraged me in a way. Cause I'm like, okay, I'm trying to, I'm working, I work here at the spirituality I'm trying to make spiritual content. Um, but it, it reminds me, okay, there is a need out there. And when I do talk to a friend and I get around to actually talking to a neighbor, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. like if we talk for more than a few minutes, eventually I'm going to hear something heard about, you know, recently about a, a you know, one, there's a, a divorce on the horizon for one guy, another just a business falling apart. And there's real stuff. And, and right. I don't think they need from me, uh, like, Hey, did you hear like how many services I went to this week? You know, right. it's not going right. to be, you know, they need our, our messy, Amy and I are struggling to figure out how to parent our kid. You know? Yes. <laughs> so well, and I think, you know, being, being a real one to me is having the capacity to be secure that we're not perfect. And I think being a light doesn't mean perfection. I spent a lot of time, I didn't grow up in church, as you already know, and I think a lot of our listeners already know. And so I'm continually uncomfortable in an environment where I can't be real, where Mm -hmm. I can't be myself. And it's difficult when you try to be yourself. Now, some people, you know, if we have, I I was, in, in my early Christian life, I was being myself and I was arrogant and prideful. So I'm not saying that you get to keep being that. The goal should be the truest self in me, the truth of my soul, so to speak, is in being like Jesus. It's not that we're all going to look alike and, and, and talk alike and dress alike. That's ridiculous, although that has happened. It's that we're going to tap into the essence of who we are. So early on in my Christian life, when I decided to be a leader and become a leader, there was a lot of emphasis on teaching me and others how to be leaders. There wasn't always a lot of emphasis on teaching us how to be team leaders. There was a lot of emphasis, and this is just my perspective, someone else who was there may disagree completely, and that's fine. And they, could, they would be right about their perspective. But in my perspective, it nurtured in me more individuality. And I had some really good friends, and so that helped me, but I think I constantly was thinking about how do I achieve? How do, how do I accomplish? How do I succeed? And as a result, I wasn't spending the time thinking about how do we succeed? And that's just, right. that's just one thing. But I think when you're not real, you get caught up in this pressure. And I worry that a lot of people who come to church feel pressure. They feel a pressure to not be themselves. I know when I first attended, walking into a church, you feel like you're walking into a holy place where everybody's holy and you're like the wicked person. And that's <laughs> right. part of what we have to remember is that church still on television is portrayed as this place where everybody is praying and everybody is reciting the Bible scriptures without having to look at the Bible. And everybody has no sins in their life that they do wrong. They're all nice. They're all kind. And 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 that's that's great. But we have to show some of our our realness and uh, who's the you? I'm, I'm uh, Bono. Bono's the U2 Bono. singer, right? Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget when he was on. I've talked about this before, I'm sure. He was on a a film session they did with Eugene Peterson, the uh, translator of the Message right. translation. Yep. And they got in this conversation about music, and you're a musician, and and you know music better than me. So I, I'm interested to hear your thought thought about this. And you you probably watched it. He said to Eugene Peterson at one time. He said, "You know, they were." Ta- he said, "I love the Psalms." And I love the way you've translated the Psalms in the message translation. And I think that's a great observation by Bono. Um, He said, my problem with Christian music 
is that I want to hear about their struggles. I want to hear about their suffering. I want to hear about their pain. I want to hear, he was just saying, I want to hear something real. And too often he said, when I listen to Christian music, I don't hear anything real. And to me, that is a tremendous description of what it means to drive hypocrisy out of everything we do. I'm not saying there's not Christian music that I don't love. I, I like a lot of Christian music. But what I'm saying is, if we're going to be attractive to the world, where the world starts saying, one of the things I want to do is go to church. I've got soccer with my kids. I've got hiking with my friends and I've got church and I want to do them all. And it's not going to be attractive unless it's real. When you think about that comment by Bono, how do you respond to that? Uh, well, first of all, I did see that interview. It's, it's really great to watch. I mean, those are great guys to uh, watching them discuss these topics is really something, but um, yeah, I, you know, when it comes to music, so I'm going to, I'll date myself with, uh, for my millennial bracket. Uh, so, you know, I came up, I was a little kid in the nineties, uh, but you know, like, uh, Nirvana, you know, mm -hmm. Pearl Jam or my band, you know, like these bands that were coming out and they right. were known for just making really like angsty, <laughs> like hard stuff, you know? And I think there's a <laughs> cynical perspective people had about, you know, this is just a shtick, but you know, if you fast forward later, you know, a, a lot of these singers are, are dead now because mm -hmm. they, they, the pain was real and they never yes. figured out a way to, to deal with it. Wow, um, great point. So that's, that's, yeah. And so that's, so to me, when I go like, there's a reason that stuff took off and, and to today, you know, I'm not as, you know, on like what's popular now as I should be. I'm sure I will as my daughter gets older, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty confident that that music that's real like that is always going to have a following, right? Because it's a way to, to connect yes. uh, emotionally, right? Especially when you can't articulate it. And I think those songs just spoke out. Now I think Christian music should be a way uh, that channels that, but actually gives hope because what's sad about those people I mentioned, right. You know, the, uh, Staley's, the Kurt Cobain's, they didn't have a solution. They had an amazing way to articulate it, but then they just uh, were just stuck in that despair and they all, they all died. But, um, but so I, I, I thought about the fact that, yeah, like that's a real need is that's what attracts people. And that's what attracted me, you know, cause I was going through my parents' divorce when I was young and the songs that, you know, were, were speaking that were the ones that captured my attention as well as like the rebellious stuff. Like I like my, my green day pop rock punk stuff, you know, <laughs> just rebellious for the sake of rebellious, you know, yeah. but then the, the, I think just the last thing I'll mention is I remember when it comes to, you know, being a Christian and trying to be effective and helping people, there's a, a, for a while, a number of years, I worked with teenagers uh, in the church. And, and I remember there was always a temptation after when I start getting tired, after, maybe it's been several months and I'm like, I'm getting kind of worn out here. Cause you right. know, you're, you're trying every week you know, throughout the week to work with these kids. But then there's always a temptation to like, let me just, uh, I got an event Friday night. Let's do like some, uh, some, some kickball or something that'll make them happy. You know, cause right. I'm just like, you know, and, cause I think I, I start losing faith in the belief that what they want is actually something that's going to speak to their soul. Right. And I just want to put a smile on their face. So I'm going to take a shortcut. And, and so I would really fool myself a lot into thinking like, this is helpful. But then I would see a kid who was having a blast at kickball the next week is talking about falling out with their parents. And I'm like, no, I didn't do anything to yeah. address like their, their heart, you know? Yeah. So, so I think that mentality can carry today. I'm like, when I talk with Amy, <laughs> let's, you know, talk about something fun or watch a show uh, and leave that hard emotional stuff over here for now, thinking that, you know, that's going to solve our anxiety right now. And so yeah. it's, it's the same, same mindset, you know, go to the stuff 
that's going to make me feel better instead of just diving into the 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 real stuff you know uh that that you know you know what's what's funny about what you're talking about is you know my daughter is that age where she's she's put a lot of music on my radar and uh when i think about kurt cobain who i never really listened to while he was alive but i what i noticed is well i shouldn't say i didn't listen to him he wasn't one of the uh artist that I purchased the music. I obviously heard his music, but um, Juice World was a rapper that reminds me of him. And when my wife, when my, sorry, when my daughter told me about him, I wasn't that interested, but she got me to listen to one of his albums. And I was like, holy cow, this guy's emotional vulnerability is extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Um, and he talks pretty honestly about the fact that he relied on some form of drug to help him deal with his anxiety and his pain. But you could hear a cry out for, you know, I've got all this pain. And I could see where music oftentimes is so much more vulnerable and it makes people purchase and listen in the multiple millions and I think we have to learn from that because I think what it's saying is what Bono's saying. These great musicians are not hypocritical about their emotions. Right. I'm not saying yeah. someone could go, are you kidding? That guy's evil and all that. I, I, that's the judgmentalism that causes the problem. Because what we do is we oftentimes look at people in the world and say, there's nothing to learn from them. They have this flaw, this flaw, and that flaw. My perspective is there's something to learn from them because they're making 12, 15, 20, 25 year olds, 40 year olds listen all the time. These guys release an album and boom, who's that artist? I should remember her name, Taylor Swift, right? Like I remember being at a, an event when she was performing in Levi Stadium. And I remember looking out the window and seeing all these young middle school girls, a lot of them in high school girls, they were dressed like Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. And people say, that's right. ridiculous. Why are they doing that? Because she spoke to where they were, dating, rejection, love, the search for love. And why am I talking about all this? Why are we talking about all this with regard to why people don't go to church? Because a big part of it is the hypocrisy of us not wanting to reveal and I think there's a lot of things we don't often want to reveal. I've had to talk about my emotional lack of depth and vulnerability based on growing up angry and hardened by pain in my life. I've had to talk about how much that kept me immature, how much that made me not want to pursue the intimacy of closeness as opposed to the intimacy of, you know, sort of the whole sexual pursuit of intimacy because of the confusion and when you go to church, what you really need is you need to pull down all of the mask and say, yeah, I've been hurt by racial prejudice. I've been hurt by uh, a, a disrespect of women. I've been hurt by being treated uh, a certain way based on the way I look and dress as opposed to who I am. And when we can all walk in there and say that there's something special that happens, I think we become a light. Uh, there's an article called Hypocrisy is Keeping People from Church. And then it kind of speaks to this. It says this, churches are filled with people who attend every Sunday service, don't say bad words, don't watch bad movies, and make sure to give their offering every week. However, 
they don't actually know, love, or walk with God at all. They have simply adopted a cultural Christianity. They are people whom Jesus called lukewarm, Revelation 3.16, and hypocrites, Matthew 23.13, who say one thing but behave contrary to the ways of Christ. Now, someone out there may get mad about that. Why are you talking about that? This is going to help people want to want to go to church. You're making negative statements about church. Well, I'm making negative statements about me because I think I've had to work really hard to understand there's a lot of mask that I was putting on and taught to put on. And you know what those masks did to me? They put pressure on me. That they, they made me feel a lot of pressure to keep up the performance. And I think there are a lot of us out there that get tired of being Christians. And it's not because Jesus in Matthew 11 says the burden is light. In 1 John 5, it says the, the, that God's ways are not burdensome. So it's not supposed to be a burden. It's supposed to, Galatians 5.1, free us, right? We're supposed to be free. I don't know how free you feel all the time. I don't always feel free because the minute I walk into a church building, I feel expectation that I behave. And I'm not talking about going wild and smoke a dope and, you know, uh, stealing money. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. People get so extreme. I'm not talking about pillaging the earth. You know what I'm saying? People get extreme. I'm saying... If, if you're not happy and you're sad, if we have health problems, chronic, emotional problems, we don't need to become self-indulgent and self-piteous and only think about ourselves, but we need to be real. If we feel that, you know, discouraged, let's get that out there. But let's not just say I'm discouraged. Everybody give me stuff. Let's say I'm discouraged. I want helping. I want help knowing what's going on in my heart that makes me discouraged. Here's my conclusion. This is what I think I've learned thinking about this subject. Hypocrisy is where Christians go when they decide they no longer want to grow. Hypocrisy is where Christians go when they decide they no longer want to grow. What's your reaction to that sentence, Mike? I wrote that down. <laughs> well said. Well said. I, um, I was thinking as you were talking uh, that I've, you know, as a longtime Christian now, I've, I've sort of perfected the art of, uh, you know, dismissing people, like finding reasons why I don't have to like see something about myself that needs to change. You, you mentioned like the, the music thing, how easy it is to dismiss certain artists or whatever. And, and I think it's cause I, I, you know, my hypocrisy is I can always find a rationalization for everything. And I think it's cause I'm comfortable where I'm at and it's, it's very uncomfortable to see something about myself that needs to be different. There's a lot like in, in marriage, I need to change. There's a lot in just, you know, now being a parent or even like a friend. And, uh, and I, I think I can make the decision. I'm like, you know what? I'm good where I'm at now. <laughs> I don't want right. to change anything. And then I tune out like the very, the glaring like signs that like, know that you're not okay. Like, look, your, 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 your wife is, is feeling uh, neglected or, or anxious because of your, uh, negligence at home. <laughs> like yes, your, yes. your, your, da- your daughter is in need of, of attention is trying to get it by, by displaying a lot of emotions or, or like you're, you're, you're not close to friends and your friends around you aren't, you know, so I, I just tune that out and just tell myself like, no, I'm good. So uh, I like that definition a lot because um, I, I don't always admit that, no, I like where I'm at now. I don't have any intention. Oh, because, but because I'm a church goer, Christian type, like I need to like find a way to say that I'm still being, Christ-like or whatever. So that's a really hard conflict because Jesus was all about change and growth and, and challenging the, the status quo and stuff. Do, so. do you do you remember that was such such uh, appropriate and 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 timely and perfect sharing in response to that that idea, which that that this idea that hypocrisy is um, 
is really uh, where Christians go when they decide they no longer want to grow. I know w- w- what I think it is is we get we get um, we get numb because mm-hmm. of the hurts in our life, resistant because of the fatigue in our life, frustrated because of the failure in our life, and we simply no longer want to talk about weakness, sin, or vulnerability or any other area where we're unlike Christ. And I think a lot of us, I know I'm, this is really true of me. I'm a performer, whether it's grades, it's achievement. I, 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 if I don't finish first or second, well, let me be honest. If I don't finish first, I'm, I'm unhappy. And I think sometimes in life we have to understand that we're not, we're not first place. That's something I had to learn. Like I'm not good enough to be first place. There are people better than me and that's okay. And I have to learn not just to deal with the disappointment, but to understand that it's not a disappointment, it's appropriate. And to celebrate the victory of the other individual. But that's all part of being real. I worry that a lot of us don't like having real conversations and that hypocrisy is becoming an infection in the body of of churches and in the body of uh, the body politic of America where everybody is, is, is arguing and yelling and screaming about things on the outside, but we're not talking about things on the inside. I think that, that hypocrisy is what crushes the non-churchgoer. It's what crushes the non-religious person. It's what crushes those who are searching for God but, and want a life-changing experience, not a traditional or denominational experience, who don't want to have a, be a part of something where it's here, we're having a culture of our personal preferences. Our personal preferences, mm-hmm. I only want to be a church that's white. I only want to be in a church that's black. I only want to be in a church that sings traditional music. I only want to be in a church that sings gospel music, all these things. And if that's what people do, I respect them. If they want to be in a church that's only Asian or Chinese, I'm, I'm cool with that. But I'm saying when I look at the Bible and I look at all the people who don't go to church, I think some of us have got to decide to say, my mission is to make church accessible to everybody. And part of that is getting the hypocrisy out. Jesus talked about it this way in Luke 12, 1. Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples saying, be on your guard against the yeast of Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Why did Jesus consider the yeast of the Pharisees to be a concern? And why did he call this yeast hypocrisy? I thought about that. First of all, yeast. Many of us may not know what it is. There's two aspects of yeast in my mind. One is making bread. And the other is a yeast infection in your body. Yeast is a type of fungus and candida. If you're familiar with candida, it's a specific type of yeast. When this yeast is balanced with the ecosystem of our body, there are no problems. But when the balance is disrupted, the yeast rapidly grows and you can get a yeast infection. And guess what feeds yeast? Sugar. And a lot of times, sometimes if people feel like they're gaining weight, some of that weight gain can be an explosion of candida in their gut. What I'm saying is yeast is really small, but it grows really fast when it's fed. Like us, yeast must get their food from their surrounding environment to grow and reproduce, to make more yeast. So yeast feeds on sugar, starches. They're abundant in bread, though. Why am I talking about that? Because a lot of us don't realize part of what sometimes kills the light of the church is that we allow hypocrisy to grow and everybody starts getting more and more fake. Every conversation is more fake. Every activity is more fake. And what we really have to do is have the confidence to not be fake. Do you ever remember Mike seeing in like theater or something where uh, they show the old old style theater that goes back to like Shakespearean days where they'll show Mm -hmm. mask and they'll put like, yeah, yeah, you you see these masks and they'll put them up. Well, yeah, what the Greek word transliterated into English is hypocrite. 
That means they took the words and said, there's no absolutely perfect English word to match this Greek word. So they have to kind of kind of look at them all and kind of figure out how do we get that meaning across to someone who speaks English. So the Greek word transliterated in English as hypocrite was used to denote an actor, one who performed behind a mask. Mm. So basically, (laughs) hypocrisy isn't just being fake. It's taking a Halloween mask, putting it over your face and pretending to be that person. Here's another thing, and you can find that in Harper's Bible Dictionary. You don't even need me for that. Hypocrisy, uh, according to the Oxford Dictionary of the Christian Church, hypocrisy is the hiding of interior wickedness under the appearance of virtue. According to the Oxford Dictionary of the Christian Church, hypocrisy is the hiding of interior wickedness under the appearance of virtue. According to moral theologians, hypocrisy is the fruit of guess what? Hypocrisy is the fruit of pride. So what it's saying is that essentially we become hypocritical because our pride says, I don't want to look bad. So we go into our closet and we pull out today's mask. Think about some mask that we pull out, Mike. Go in the, you know, we're having a bad day. We pull out that mask of joy so we can walk around, look like we're happy when we're miserable, right? We go out and pull out that mask of righteousness. I'm doing everything right. I've not done anything wrong. What mask can you think of that we pull out of that closet? (laughs) Oh, geez. First of all, uh, Jim Carrey throwback. Just oh, me of movie. what was that movie? Uh, remember, <laughs> the, the mask. I, I think he, man, the details are really uh, fuzzy for me, but essentially he could turn into everyone with this magical yeah, mask. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, for, There were funny parts and then it got kind of dark. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> as with a lot of the movies in that era. But um, what's, yeah, a ma- think, what's a uh, mask you think we put on? What's a mask you think we put yeah, on? Let's see. I think the mask that I got it together, even though I'm really anxious, uh, uh, the the mask that I'm just really busy when I'm actually really afraid and I'm avoiding things wow, that I can't get to. That's, that's awesome. That's been a big one lately. And, and Amy will help me with that. And she'll hit me with the like, hey, are you, do you think maybe like you're afraid to go have that conversation? And I'm like, no, I already said I'm really busy. I have these things. You know? And I think I, but I can put on a good show of like someone who's really just like, man, my, it's my schedule. You know, just like the the other night I was like, uh, man, I just got way too many errands to do around the house. You know, you could have like made a call while you're folding stuff. Right. <laughs> That's right. And I'm like, okay, well, all right, we'll play. I didn't have a response to that. So I think I can, uh, the mask, you know, I'll look in the mirror and it tricks me too. Right. So I'm, I'm kind of like, also oh, I'm starting to, to drink in the Kool-Aid, like believing the, the story myself. And it's, I guess me being self-deceived, you know, and I had a conversation with, uh, you know, some friends yesterday about that, about, how when I read my Bible, cause I'll read my Bible in the mornings. I've done that for like ever. Right. But like, there's <laughs> not like, a, <laughs> you got that down. Doing got that the, read the Bible got thing that, down. I've got the down pat. Yep. Yep. Check. You got know. all A's. But, uh, yeah, there's Perfect a place Christian. right now. Yeah, I know I'm, I'm the I same would, way. <laughs> I would nail it. But, uh, but yeah, there's not like an awareness that I have of like, here's what, here are the things I'm avoiding. Here are the things that are causing me a lot of anxiety. Here are the things I'm really afraid to bring up. Uh, to my friends, to my wife, uh, you know, and so that, cause that's really me, but my mask ends up being like, yeah, I think it just ends up being excuses for me, but, but I can certainly do the, I'm happy when I'm not masked. 
that, you know, I'm, I'm courageous when I'm really afraid, like I could put on, but only for so long. And I think for me, eventually there's a breakdown. And I think that's probably for, are for you, most Are people. you like me where we're sort of the mask can be on when you're outside of the house, but then you come home, you oh, take yeah. the mask off. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of yeah. COVID-19, right? Where yeah, right. We, we all wear our mask now. <laughs> oh yeah. The literal it, mask, but then yeah. you go home and you can take your mask off because it's safe to be you know, in your yeah, home. Yeah. Well, and I think cause it's tiring, right? Like with COVID-19, ah. so I hate wearing my mask every day. And so I'm like, I can't wait to get home because it's just, I mean, I don't know if tiring is the right word. It's just really obnoxious. I'm it is tiring with it. Yeah. yeah tiring. I guess that's why. Right. So I get home. Yeah. I'll take it off. And so that, that's a good point too. Cause uh, you can only kind of, at a certain point you run out of energy and I just can't really keep it up for too much longer. Yeah, it's hard to I breathe. Think. It's hard to breathe in those masks. You know, you breathe yeah. a lot harder. It's you, you work a lot harder when you're breathing in that mask. And I think that's the same right. thing with trying to be a Christian. When you're breathing in that mask, when you're working in that mask, everything as a Christian becomes more difficult when we're wearing a mask. And I think that what we have to do is, you know, there's a great scripture in Psalm 15 that I think is sort of an answer to all this. Uh, in Psalm 15, verse one, I'm going to read it. Oh, Lord. This amplified version, who may lodge as a guest in your tent, who may dwell continually on your holy hill, he who walks with integrity and strength of character and works righteousness and speaks and holds truth in his heart. He does not slander with his tongue, nor does evil, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friends. Now, that's a little older translation, and some of you may not like that. So you can go look at the NIV or the NCV or any of the other translations, the ERV, that are a little bit more clear. But the reason I picked it is because it has a real rhythm to it, and I like the English language. And it says this, the person that's going to be able to be in God's tent and be close to God speaks and holds truth in his heart. I think part of getting rid of hypocrisy is feeling like I don't need to pretend anymore. And well, the beautiful part about that is it relieves our stress. It allows us to have a lot more freedom. It allows us to just relax. And what I worry about a lot is that people are going through what I went through for a lot of years in my Christian life. Every conversation I had, I was trying to give the right answer. Every conversation I had, I was trying to figure out what am I supposed to say? What do people want to hear? And I think as long as we have a heart that loves God and wants to be like Jesus, I think it's okay to be ourselves. Some days we're not wanting to be obedient. Some days we're feeling resistant. Some days we want to be lazy. And some days maybe we should be lazy. And some days maybe we should say no. But I think getting into a position where we spiritually talk about, this is me. I'm a real one. I want help to grow. I don't want to stay that way. And I just want to run through a couple things. And I, I don't know how we'll all do, because I think anytime, I shouldn't say anytime, a lot of times when I, when I talk to people, they don't like to hear or discuss anything regarding weakness, sin, or failure. And I think this is a real problem, because when we won't talk about weakness, sin, and failure, we're denying the power of the cross. The cross nails all of that stuff. And what we've got to be able to do is say failure isn't fatal because Jesus died on the cross and I can always have another chance. Sin is not going to define me because Jesus died on the cross and he erases that sin. First John one says that every time we sin, the blood of Jesus washes over us as we open and talk about all of that sin. When we look at all the things in our life, we have to get free of it. And I, I just don't think it's a powerful thing for people to walk around and say, I don't don't say anything negative going on in my life because that makes me be down. If you're down because of the negative in your life, you have to look a lot more at Jesus Christ, a lot more at the cross, a lot more at the resurrection, because that's what lifts us up. 
There's a few masks that I think we can look at. I'm going to throw them out there for everybody to go study on their own. There's a niceness mask. In Matthew 7, 15 to 20, the NIV, it says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves, ferocious wolves. I think that's a niceness mask that people wear. And we have to be careful about that. Even Christians can wear. You know, one of the things I worry about is we can act real nice. But one of the things that goes on a lot in churches is we end up trying to steal members from other churches instead of reach out to people who don't go to church. Charles Spurgeon had a great quote on that. I'm going to read it. This may be instructively answered by describing what it is not. We do not regard it to be soul winning to steal members out of churches already established and train them to utter out our peculiar shibboleth. That's an Old Testament word where they made them say this word. and If they mispronounce it, they knew they weren't part of their group. We aim rather at bringing souls to Christ than at making converts to our synagogue. There are sheep stealers abroad concerning whom I will say nothing except that they are not brethren, or at least they do not act in a brotherly fashion to their own master. They must stand or fall. We count it utter meanness to build up our own house with the ruins of our neighbors the mansions. We infinitely prefer to quarry ourselves. That's Charles Spurgeon, an old book from the 1800s called the soul winner. He's one of the greatest preachers in the history of the world. And I think he was based in England. And I sometimes get forget what he's saying is there are religious people, churchgoers who are in sheep's clothing. They act nice, but they're trying to get people to come from one church over to their church. Here's the deal. Most Americans and most people don't go to church. So the question is, why would we be targeting the Baptist church, the Methodist church, the church of Christ to go to their church and try to get their members to come to ours. It makes no sense. And that's because I think we have to look. Hypocrisy makes us do that. We start saying, and I was, I learned to do this when I was younger. We learned to say my church is better than that church. You know what? It doesn't matter if my church is better than that church. There's so many people out on the street not going to church. We shouldn't be worried about people that are going to church. Now, some people are going to say, well, I think the people in that church believe the wrong thing. Well, that's their choice. Let them believe the wrong thing. That's your opinion. But what about all the people walking on the street who don't even know about church that are ignored because there's a lot of infighting? When I read that by Charles Spurgeon, I go, that's what hypocrisy is. Christians who act really nice, but they're really got bad motives. I think that's important to look at. Uh, and I think the goodness mask, uh, Matthew 7, 21 to 23, where because we do good things, we think that says that what's going on inside of our heart is good. Not always true. Go back and read Matthew 7, 21 to 23. The flattery mask, Proverbs 26, 24 to 26, Proverbs 20, 26, 24 to 26 in the Good News Translation versus 22 to 26 in the Passion Translation. There's the flattery mask. Go back and read those. And it says this. Kind words can be a cover to conceal hatred of others for hypocrisy loves to hide behind flattery. Sometimes you ever go to church or you're ever around someone who's a Christian and they're always, oh, you're so great. You're so wonderful. But in their heart, you find out later they hate you. They don't even like you. They're negative on you. The flattery mask, the sinlessness mask in Matthew 23, 27 to 28. When Jesus spoke to the Pharisees, he said, you guys are like whitewashed tombs. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy. We got to be willing to say, wait a minute, it's not what's on the outside, it's what's on the inside. In the moment we start saying, I don't have any sins, but you have a lot of them, we know we've got that mask on. The judgmental mask, 
That's the last one I want to talk about where we judge people all the time and we're constantly critical of other people. It's a mask we put on so we don't have to look at our own life. There's so many masks and we need to remove them. How do we remove them? Psalm 51, one through three. Speak and hold the truth in our heart. It's what David was after in Psalm 51 when he said this in verse one. God, be merciful to me because you're loving. We should always know that any mistake we make, any sin mistake, any failure we have, God is a loving God who stoops down to make us great. God, be merciful to me because you're loving, because you're always ready to be merciful. Wipe out all my wrongs. Wash away all my guilt and make me clean again. I know about my wrongs and I can't forget my sin. You are the only one I've sinned against. I've done what you say is wrong. You're right when you speak and fair when you judge. I was brought into this world in sin. In sin, my mother gave birth to me. You want me to be completely truthful, so teach me wisdom. In Psalm 51, David wasn't saying I'm a terrible person. David was saying I'm an honest person. I know my issues, and I'm okay with that. When I was a young kid, there was a book that came out, psychological book called I'm Okay, You're Okay. I never read it. I just remember the title. It was really popular. I think a real one, a, a real culture is one where we don't look at each other as sinful, but we look at each other as real. Where I look at you, Mike, and I go, hey, I appreciate everything about you. Where you look at me and say, I appreciate everything about you. I like your weaknesses. I like your failures. I even like your sins. And I think when we get there, that's when we get a culture that makes people say, I'd like to go to a church like that. I'd love to go to a church like that. I had a friend of mine tell me, hey, he had friends of his come to church and he said, hey, I think they'd like to get with you and study the Bible with you. Of course, that happens to me a lot, but I can't do that with everybody. But what he said, he said, you're so relatable. You know what I said that day? I said, I'm a bad person. I'm not a good person. I'm not down on myself. I'm just like the reality is without God, I'm a pretty problematic individual. And I think when we get free of all the mask, church becomes so attractive. And so I love what you said today, Mike, especially about music. And I love that you brought up Kurt Cobain, Nirvana, and all those groups. Because for a lot of times, I used to listen to that music and go, ugh. But you know what that music was? It was a little too honest for me. And so when we think about real ones, that's what we're talking about. Living a life that's a little too honest for everybody else, but allows us to be free to be real. Everybody, thanks for listening to Deep Spirituality in this podcast. This one went on because we were kind of just enjoying ourselves. I hope you like it. I hope you'll think about it and not not think about it negatively, but think about it positively. Go ahead and give us, you know, the likes and the five stars and the seven stars and give us a lot of support <laughs> as we're getting back in there. And we're getting our rhythm again. So make sure you look out for our narrative podcast that will be coming. Make sure you listen out for this one. And uh, we thank you for listening. Remember, go out there and be a real one. And then people will want to go to your church. Thanks for listening.